I'm kind of waiting on um, God at this moment, to be honest. Um, uh, I want to say something, but I don't I know. Um, so I'm just going to kind of jump in and I'll go as far with it as, as God wants us to go with it. Um, man, anybody feel like this week's just been rough? You turn on the news, right? Anybody turn on the news this week? I watch the news all the time. I'm boring. Um, that's what I do. I don't watch really hardly probably much of anything else, to be honest. Um, and that's maybe depressing. Um, but I just like to know what's going on. Um, it makes me feel cool, I guess. Um, and I'll just be honest. I, I, I was at the beach all week. Amazing. Really beautiful place in there. Um, but, but I watched what unfolded this week in, uh, in several communities. Um, and uh, I watched um, the other day as uh, announced some of the news that a man had been killed. We don't obviously know all the details, but who cares? A man lost his life. Um, and then, then another man, um, same kind of deal. Um, and then uh, kind of the other day that culminated in a moment um, in, in Dallas um, where five, I think, police officers lost their life. Um, and I just want to say, man, that, that's tragic, isn't it? On all fronts, on all fronts, life is a precious thing. You, you know that, church? Like when God created, He gave everything He created value because everything He created was a breath of God. Every person He created was a breath of God. Every, every individual that ever shows up on this planet, says in the Bible, is fearfully and wonderfully made. And we're sculpted in our mother's womb. And what that means is every person that God ever made, He sculpted that person, cares for that person. And I just want you to know that those people, that the Godless people, all people, all communities, are valuable. And I know that what we're getting right now in the news is kind of like hate from this community or anger from this community. I mean, it's all communities. And I just want you to know the church is not that. For all communities, for all people, for all situations, we love. And we recognize that life is a valuable thing. You may think, man, there, there had to be something else going on. There might have been. But at the end of the day, life is valuable. And we can still mourn for those people. They wrong or right. But that's, that's a real deal. And we have to understand as the church, man, there is hurt on this planet. Do you know that? There is hurt. Amen. There is hurt on this planet. That's, that's the way this planet is. It's a fallen planet. God made everything perfectly, and we jacked it up, and this is the side effect of it. And from communities that maybe you don't see any validation in what they're saying. I'll be honest, it's hard for me to see. Because I, myself, am not racist. But, but we, we can start this morning with a confession that that maybe is a valid feeling from people. Because racism still exists in this country. Slavery is over, racism is not. And it may not be you, and it may be really hard to hit that point. You may look at it and be like, well, I'm not racist, so I don't see that. I, don't, I just want to say this, I was thinking about this. You know when you drive down the road and you see somebody and you lock your door because you see them and what you see is, I need to lock my door. Man, if you do that based on appearance and based on skin color and based on, man, in our hearts, there's still a little bit of that there. And I just, I just want to say, even if it doesn't feel valid to you this morning, listen, listen. Because Jesus would, right? You know where Jesus would be? He'd probably be down there. Not maybe to upside some or, or start up some violence, but just to say, hey, I love you. And I want to hear from you. What, what do you think? What, what do you think? Because I love you. And I just want to say to, to us as the church, whether you get it or you don't get it, the response is never hatred. It's never negativity. It's never anger. It's always every bit of the time love because that's how Jesus will be. Amen. So I I just wanted to address it this morning because it feels really hopeless, doesn't it? When you look at the world and you look at the news and you look at these groups and you're like, there's no way this will ever calm down. There's only a up. But there is, there is a fix for that. You know that? Man, in, in everything that seems hopeless, there is a hope, and that hope is the gospel of Jesus. That, that's, the thing that, that's the thing that repairs. That's the thing that binds up the broken. That's the thing that brings reconciliation, and we are people that are about the what? The people that are about the gospel. 
So in this moment where it seems really hopeless, I just want to say this to you. Let's grab some people and walk to the cross together and see what God wants to do in that moment. Um, I, I know maybe for some of us we're on different ends of this issue, but there really is no issue. It's the cross. Right? Amen? I feel like you're not with me this morning. Um, the, there, is, there is one common spot, and that's the cross. Because my Bible says in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, that people you agree with and don't. They gave Jesus. And that's our message. And I just want to say to us this morning, and as, as a church, let's walk into that love and not the other. Don't walk into fear. There is no fear. If the world ends today, I know where I'm going. Amen. If it's all over today, I'm going to do with Jesus. There is no fear. So let's walk into the love and see what God wants to do. Man, this is... This is an amazing moment in our country because it's, it's a moment of great opportunity. And it's, a, it's, a, it's a moment where everybody feels unloved. Every group, every community feels unloved. And there's one man who loves greater than all. There's one answer. We can legislate whatever we want to, but we'll never fix hearts. We can, we can change whatever we want to in Washington and we'll never fix hearts. But there is Jesus. And he is the fixer of hearts. Amen. Um, so I just want to say that this morning. I don't know where you come on that. I don't, I don't care where you come on that. I just want to say, man, um, it's the cross for me. I choose Jesus. And uh, and uh, I know that's a hard topic for some of us, but it's just what I felt like I wanted to do this, to say this morning. I'm going to preach Jesus at the time. But, um, but let's pray real quick. Um, just that God will use this moment. You know, it seems crazy. It seems tension. God will use this moment to do an amazing thing in our country. Father God, we love you. Uh, we thank you. God, we believe you. God, that even in, see, even in a moment of hopelessness, um, God, there, there is hope at the cross. But God, everything seems really, really dark right now, but even though it seems really, really dark right now, uh, there is light in the cross. Um, and God, this morning, the cure for our country, the cure for these situations, the cure for uh, our, our, our wicked hearts as a people, um, God, it's all the cross. So God, this morning, we just, we just say to you, God, we, we lean into you. God, we'll follow what you want. We'll go where you want. God, we'll walk where you want. Because the truth is, God, we can, we can step back and we can enjoy our opinion wherever we want to, but if our opinion is not the word of God, then our opinion is not worth anything. Because this opinion with the rest of me is going to go in a hole one day, and it will stay there. But this word of God will last forever. So God, this morning we, as the church, just throw into whatever you want. And God, we cling to the hope that is found in you. God, our, our hope is not in this country if it fails today. My hope is in the word of God and the Son of God, Jesus if, if everything falls apart today, if the economy were to go today, my hope is in you, Jesus, not my bank account. So God, I know that we've not been called to, to sit on the sidelines, but we've been called to engage the world in love. And I'm just praying this morning, God, that you will let this moment in our country and this moment in history be a moment where the church finally decides to stand up and do something. God, we've sat around and watched too long. Now, the devil's had us scared that you're going to pull our 401c3 for too long. Who cares? Who cares? The truth is, Jesus, this world isn't meant to last forever, but souls do, and that's what matters. God, we can engage people in a way that affects eternity for good. And God, let this moment be the moment in the church. God, this is the most opportunity I've seen in my lifetime, for the church to do something. And God, it looks crazy. But God, you always work in those moments. The cross looked crazy. Look what you did. God, this is the same. So God, this morning, we just lean into that. God, this morning, we pray power on what you're about to say. We pray that this morning, you open our hearts, open our minds, open our ears to, to what you're going to say. Because God, we believe that it is good. And God, we believe that it is effective. So God, this morning, just move in this place. Anybody want to see that? This morning, just move in this place. Uh, we've never moved before. We need you. 
So we love you. It's your name, Jesus. We pray in name. Amen. 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 Apparently, nobody's saying anything. Amen. No. No. Okay, good. If you are, you mad at Jesus too. Um, man, this morning, I'm so excited to be back. I'll be honest. I, yesterday, as I was uh, leaving the beach and looking out at the ocean, I was like, man, tomorrow is church. I'm so excited. Today is a great day to come back to. If you got to come back, it's way better to come back on Friday or Saturday or Monday. Um, this is the day. And uh, I'm so excited to be back with you guys. I love you. I miss you this week. I heard from a couple of you. Um, but man, I'm so excited about this word that we're going to talk about this morning. Um, I know for the past couple of weeks, I've been saying like every week together is over next week. And we're gonna, so I'm obviously I have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> so this morning, we're going to be back in together. Um, it's crazy. It's, it's sitting down there. How God was just dropping this word into my heart all week. And uh, I was, it was funny because you always pray against what God actually has already told you six months ago to do. Um, and I was like, man, what are we going to do when we come back Sunday? God, what are we going to do? And this word come up, and I just kind of brush it over. That's a little thought. Um, <laughs> and, uh, man, we need to talk about this. And then it's like, here's the word, and then it's brushed aside. And, oh, we're going to talk about this. And we just ended up brushing aside. And every time, God just dropped this word back in my heart. And I'm so excited about this this morning. Um, because this, to be honest, is, a, it is like I said, the past three weeks, like, this is a moment that God could change the very DNA of what happens in this place. I mean, there's, there's no reason we have to operate and or be like any other church on the planet because we're a different group of people, right? So it doesn't matter what you carry in. Like, you've all been to, most of you probably, I don't know, most of you probably have been to church before, and, and you know what you do when you come in that place, right? You come in, you sit down, and you sing a song, and, you know, if you're Baptist, you sit down for the next three songs, and then, um, you know, then, then you pray, and then, we're, we're going to hear somebody talk for a little bit, and you're going to get out the door, and it's going to be great. You're going to go to lunch, and you probably already know we're here. And, and then you're going to go on with your day. There's no reason in the world the church should operate like that. I believe, actually, if Jesus walks into church today, he'd be like, what in the world is this then? No, don't you? Have you, have you read Acts? Like, this is not... There, there's no formula. Like, oh, let's come in and sing some songs, and then hear somebody talk, and then we're going to go about our week and just do whatever. That was never meant to be a church, and, to be honest, if we would just get this today, this could change the very DNA of who we are. We, I've said the past few weeks, and I've been really excited about it because God has actually been moving us in that direction, but, man, if we would just get on board with what God is already willing to do, we can hold the people in this building tomorrow that God wants to bring to know them. Do you know that? There's a community of people out there all, all over the place. Like, I'm sure we could probably go within three houses in any direction. We could probably find two groups of people that are not at church this morning. Well, we live in the Bible Belt. Well, that's great. Here's a statistic for you. 85% of the people in Knoxville today do not go to church on a regular basis. We live in the Bible Belt. What do you think it is across the country? If we took the, there's probably 2% in some places. But, like, what is that like? I'm not good at math, but 15% of the people in Knoxville are in church this morning. Man, there's opportunity, right? And what if we were to jump into that opportunity? What if we were to, to, to kind of get to the place where we weren't content with just coming in and sitting down and leaving and just taking and, and getting and whatever, never changing? What if we were to jump into that opportunity and engage those people? What would we see God do in this place? I laid out the vision the other day for what we want to see God do in this place, and when I sit down and talk about planning this church with people, I told them, man, the vision that God has dropped in my heart is not that we would minister to 10 or 15 people or even hundreds of people, but thousands of people can come to know Jesus. And you know why my view is that big? Because 85% of the people in Knoxville don't go to church. It doesn't seem like anybody cares. Most churches this morning, I'm not knocking other churches. I love them. I come from them. Jesus is there. But most churches this morning want to engage other people's Christians. I don't care if another Christian ever walks in this building. You know why? Because there are people out there that are not Christians that are going to hell today, and we need to be engaged and involved in that. And this morning, if we could just get a hold of this, man, next week we could be completely different. We could be splitting and going to two or three of these things on Sunday morning in two to three weeks. You know why? Because God is big enough and the need is great. And this morning, what I'm asking us to do is increase the vision in our hearts to not us, but to God. Increase the vision. Man, you'd be content this morning, wouldn't you? Because I would too, if we could see last week two times a year. Man, six people got baptized this morning. That's amazing. That was great. 
Then we would sit on that, wouldn't we? But we can't sit on that when 85% of the people in our community don't know Jesus. Yeah. See, the truth of it is this morning, we've got to increase our view. If there's that great of a need and our God is as big and holds the whole world, he's, he's as big as we say he is, then man, the vision in our heart has to rise. But we also have to engage and to get on board with what God's doing. So this morning, we're just going to talk about this again with together, because here's the deal. I cannot do it by myself. Amen? Amen. It's not my job. I'm a part of it. I'm not all of it. I need you. I need need us. Church is an us thing, not a me thing. And this morning, we're going to jump into Matthew chapter 9, and we're going to look at the actual words of Jesus this morning. It's amazing. Love when Jesus talks. Just for those of you who are who are getting there, uh, Matthew is a book actually written by the disciple Matthew. Isn't that amazing? This dude was here for this. You're not two, three, six people down the road hearing about Jesus. This man walked around with Jesus. Matthew was a tax collector. He was probably one of the, uh, as the Jewish people viewed it, he was one of the biggest sinners on the planet. Tax collectors were government-sanctioned thieves. They would buy into kind of this Ponzi scheme with the Roman government, and they would come and they would extort money from people. And the government loved it because the government got their money, but you could get as much as you could take. So if your taxes go were ten bucks and I could get fifty bucks from you, I kept forty. And the government didn't care. So what I would do is I would I would prey on those people that couldn't defend themselves, those people that wouldn't beat me up in the alley, the, the widows, the, the, the weak. I would prey on those people as a tax collector, and I would extort as much money as I possibly could. And Matthew made his fortune, he was a rich man, he made his fortune stealing money from other people under uh, under the under the something of the government. Um this is Matthew. And then we see Jesus actually called this sinner, this tax collector, this thief, to follow him. And then for the rest of Jesus' life, Matthew, this tax collector, this sinner that nobody would have had anything to do with, followed Jesus around. And then at the end of Jesus' life, Matthew sat down to write some of the stories, not anywhere near all the stories, but some of the stories of Jesus. So I just want you to sit and notice one. Everything we're going to read is a first-hand eyewitness account of what Jesus said. Isn't that amazing? And you're holding, you're, you're holding the words of someone who stood with Jesus. It's amazing to me. And then, and in this book Matthew, it's kind of a biography of Jesus or a short one, and we see the life and the death and the ministry of Jesus. And in chapter nine, what we see is Jesus doing what he always does. Jesus is just traveling around teaching. Actually, Jesus is always going. If you just read a couple of the highlights in Matthew 9, verse 1, it says, so he got in the boat. Here, Jesus is going. It says that in 18, he was telling them these things. Suddenly one of the leaders came and knelt down before him. My daughter is near death, but come and lay your hands on her, and she will live. And then look at Jesus. So Jesus and his disciples got up. They followed him. Here again, we see Jesus going. Jesus didn't sit around the room talking. Jesus is going. We see in, in 27, Jesus is Healing the blind man. It says, as Jesus went. Here we go. Jesus says, going again. And then in 32, just as Jesus was going out. Isn't that amazing? And we, we find how many times in just chapter 9, Jesus is going, 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 going. Well, I think that's amazing is because if you actually read the end of Matthew, Matthew heard Jesus say something else, and it was what? Go. Now Jesus is going up into heaven, and he looks at the church, the 11 guys that are gathered there, and he says, hey, now that you've seen it happen, now that you've seen what it looks like, now that you've actually watched and followed a man who is always going and always going with a purpose, I just want to tell you something. Go. He commands the church to go. Isn't it amazing that before Jesus ever asked us to do it, Jesus demonstrated it? Yeah. You ever read the Gospels? Jesus is always doing what he just asked you to do. Since Jesus was going. But here's the amazing thing to me. In 35, it says, Then Jesus went, and here again, Jesus going, Jesus went to all the towns and villages. Now, that's a tall list, right? Jesus went to all the towns and villages. Well, what's the word all mean? That he went to all of them. Not that he selectively picked out the ones that looked like he would fit in or that Jesus went to the people that he figured he could meet the needs of most. But Jesus just went to everybody. Jesus just scattered seed. He went everywhere he could, everywhere on the map, every town, big place, village, little place, everywhere there were people, and, 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 he, and he did something. 
that all of Israel, all of this area, here Jesus is, inconveniently, not for the fun of it, walked around and he did something. And that something was this, teaching in their synagogues and preaching. Jesus went teaching. But he didn't go to teach them how to be more religious. Amen? Amen. That's what we want to do a lot of times. We want to religious the world. That's not how it works. Jesus didn't come to make us more religious. He didn't care how we sang our songs. He didn't care, um, really, if we knew all the fine details of everything. He came teaching, but he came teaching with a purpose, and that was to preach the good news of the kingdom. Jesus came with a purpose, and that purpose was that everybody around him would hear this thing, the good news of the kingdom. So what is the good news of the kingdom? Have you ever heard the word gospel? But what's, what's the breakdown of the word gospel? The good news. The gospel is the good news. Jesus actually went around doing something amazing. He went around to every town and village and he preached one thing, and that thing was the gospel of the kingdom. Amen? Jesus went with a purpose. Isn't that amazing? Jesus went, and as he went, he went with a purpose. See, the key is not just in going. The key this morning is not in going. You're going to go. When you leave this place, everybody in here is going to go, because eventually we're going to kick you out. Like, it's going to happen, somebody's going to get hungry, we're going to tell you to leave, we're going to lock the door, and you can stay in the parking lot, but you can't stay in here anymore, you're going to go. That's how it's going to happen. You're going to leave. We're all going to leave. You, you're good at leaving. You, <laughs> we, we know how to go places. We get in our cars. We, some of us get on planes. I don't do that. Some of you do. Uh, trains, bicycles, whatever. You, you're really good at going. But the difference is between us and Jesus today is Jesus, as the Son of God, went with a purpose, and that purpose was to share the gospel, not to make small talk. And we go with no purpose. Amen? We come with a purpose, right? And I want to sing some songs today. It's going to be awesome. And I want to hear somebody talk for way too long today. It's going to be awesome. We come with a purpose, but do we leave with a purpose? Because Jesus always went with a purpose. And what I want to say this morning is, man, if the church could get this, if we could just see, hey, Jesus did it, and if Jesus did it, and told us to do it, hey, we have an example, we can probably do it. If we would leave this place today with a purpose, it would transform the city. Yes? Yes. Yes. I just want to know we're with me today. It's important to me. If we would leave this place with a purpose today, it would transform the city. And we see that Jesus is doing it. says Jesus went to all the towns and villages everywhere, not just the convenient spots, teaching in the synagogues, that's where the people were, preaching the good news or the gospel of the kingdom. And that is a tall order, right? When did Jesus have time to do anything else? When did Jesus have time to even rest? Like Jesus went to everywhere. He didn't have a car. He had feet. That's how that works. Jesus walked all around Israel. That's, that's several days' journey from city to city sometimes. Jesus did this, and he did it with a purpose. It was inconvenient, and, and Jesus did it because, man, the gospel is important enough to do it. Because people need it. And I'm like looking at that, and I'm like, Jesus, like, when did you have time to do anything fun? Because I want to do fun stuff. Jesus, when do you have time to rest? I, I like to rest. Jesus, when do, you, when do you have time to do anything? All I ever see you doing actually is teaching or praying, and then one time you're sleeping on the boat, and I don't even know how all that worked together, but Jesus, that seems to be all you did, yet you felt and looked so fulfilled. See, that's crazy to me. We're not going to get to heaven and Jesus going to be like, man, I wish that I would have done this thing and this thing and this thing, and I wish I would have had a hamburger just that one time. He ministered every moment in his entire life, yet he, he looked and felt so fulfilled. And maybe, that, maybe that's something in itself for us this time. And it says that even in that, even as Jesus was walking around the world trying to save everybody, he found time to heal every disease and every sickness. And Jesus was always busy, right? Yeah. <laughs> when did you have time to do that, Jesus? You were busy. Like, you were only here 33 and a half years, and you had a lot of people to save, and you had a lot of people to get the message out to. You. How did you even find time to heal people? Have, you notice, like, when Jesus is walking, if you're at the gospel, walking down the road, and people are, like, always jumping out of somewhere trying to get healed? Yeah. 
I would be annoyed by that. When you, I'm just trying to walk here, lady. Let go of my rope. Like that would be me. Yet Jesus turns around and engages these people. That's crazy. He's walking down the road. He's trying to teach in some house, and people are taking the roof off and trying to lower people down into the house so Jesus can heal them. That's crazy to me. I'd be like, raise him back up there. I'm trying to teach her. I'm a teacher. It's frustrating when people are doing other stuff you're teaching. And Jesus is never too busy to do these things. He's always with a purpose. He's always on a mission. He's always engaging for the gospel, but he's never too busy for those people that have a need. I just want to say that to us this morning because that's amazing to me because here's the deal. Here's what we're going to know before the day is over. Jesus is still the God who saves. We're going to know that before the day is over. I just want you to know that. Jesus still desires to save the world. We're going to know that before the day is over. I want you to know that right now. Jesus is still powerful enough and big enough and good enough. And even though we don't see it in this place every week, Jesus is still engaging the world with the gospel. Today, I guarantee you, around the world, there are hundreds, if not thousands of people that are coming to know Jesus today on this planet because God is still the God who saves. But I want you to know as we engage in this together as the church, just because God is the God who saves and just because he's got a big task of engaging the world and saving the world, it does not mean that he is too busy for you. See, Jesus is busy saving the world, but he's never too busy saving the world to save you. So if you come this morning and you have a sickness or a disease or you're hurting and you're broken, even though we're talking about salvation this morning, I just want you to know that God is the God who saves, but he's also the God who gives. The God is the God who saves, but he's also the God who binds up the broken. I want you to know this morning that we're going to talk a lot about salvation this morning, how God wants to engage the planet this morning for that. But I just want you to know the hope that comes from Jesus is for everybody. You may already know Jesus. You may already be saved, but it doesn't mean that you don't have a need. But I just want you to know this morning, your need is still important to Jesus. Amen? Amen. Jesus still cares. Jesus didn't just save you to dump you back into the world and hope you figure it out until he comes back. And then come to catch you and then dump you back into the ocean and come back to catch you again later. That's not the thing. Jesus came to save you, but he will also walk with you again. He will also walk with you and build you up. He will also walk with you and bind you up. And I just want you to know this morning, just because we're throwing in as a church to the saving work of Jesus, it doesn't mean that the healing work of Jesus is on. And this morning, Jesus showed up for you. We may be saved, and we may engage in a big way, and I hope we do what God is going to do in this world this morning. But I want you to know, if you have a need, God will still need that in this moment. There are no needs too small. Some of you guys are like, I can't pray about that. I can't. Uh, it burdens me, it hurts me, but I can't pray about that because God's too busy doing these other things. There's other people that need it. How small do you think our God is? He can't do your problem and their problem, but he can breathe out the universe. <laughs> oh, there are people that have cancer. I can't pray about my hurt toe. Well, I just want you to know, my God is big enough to tackle cancer and the hurt toe all the same time. He breathed out the stars. You can't do that. He can. So don't try to put him on your level. If you can only do one thing, then that's amazing. But our God can do everything. Amen. And I just want you to know this morning, that's the God we are engaging. Jesus is a God who walked with a purpose, and that purpose was to share the gospel, but he was never too busy. And this morning, the truth is, God is here to share the gospel. And if you need it, God will save you this morning. But I just want you to know, kind of on the other end of that, if you come in here hurting or broken or destroyed over anything and everything, God is still the God who heals Never too busy to So we see here in 35, then Jesus went to all the towns and the villages, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the good news of the gospel of the kingdom, and he was also healing every disease and every sickness. And it says in 36, when he saw the crowds, he felt compassion. This is in every city, by the way. This is not a specific town. But when Jesus went to every city, that crazy? Jerusalem. Big old city. Lots of problems. True. Jericho. Also a city. Different problems. All the other cities throughout Galilee and all these other regions that Jesus visited. He went and all the people had different problems. There were different things. They were made up of different populations. When Jesus saw all the people and in all cases felt compassion. I just want you to know this word saw is not the same as looked at. Jesus didn't come and look at the problem. Jesus didn't come and observe the problem. Oh, that's great. 
in the incoming view as a mass or a crowd, man, the city is broken or this. But he took notice of, he recognized, he saw the crowds. It's a word that almost means look deeply at the crowds. So Jesus took notice, and he didn't take notice of us, he took notice of you. And he felt compassion, a word that means pity. Jesus saw the crowds, he looked at them, he saw the problems, and here, here, just let me break it down for a different translation. It broke his heart. When Jesus traveled to all these cities and he saw all these different people with all these different problems, he saw all these hurting people, all these lost people, it broke his heart. Jesus had compassion. I, I believe he wept over it. I don't believe when, when, when you see Jesus, he's always happy to be surrounded by lost people. Man, it's great down here with all these people that need God. It's amazing. I just hope somebody comes and does something about it. That was not the attitude of Jesus. The attitude of Jesus was, I see the need, and I am broken over the need. Paul says it a little differently in Romans. He talks about actually how for his people, he would, if possible, maybe even trade his own salvation that they could come to know Jesus. He was so broken when he saw the need of his people for a Savior, it almost wished, make, made him wish, I could trade my salvation so they could go be with him. Man, it's all, that's the same compassion that Jesus felt. Man, I, I, I would literally trade my life so they could be with me. I would literally be nailed. I'm so broken over this. I would be nailed to a piece of wood so they could be with me. What drove Jesus to the cross was not hatred for sinners, compassion for sinners. So Jesus looked at these people, all different needs, all different problems, all different heartaches, and he sees them, and what he has is not anger, what he has is not rage, and what he has is sorrow, compassion. Man, I love these people. I love these people. All these people. And it says he has compassion. Let me just keep reading for you for just a second. It says he... He felt compassion for them, and here's why. Because they were weary and worn out. Like sheep without a shepherd. He saw all these people, and with all their problems, and all their different issues, and all their different sins, and all the, some of them were idolaters, some of them were religious people that had no really desire for God, some of them were probably prostitutes, some of them were doing other things. There was a woman at the well who was caught up in adultery. There was a rich man who was... A, a, a good, by our standards, man, but he loved his money more than he cared about God. And he saw these people, and when he saw them, he really saw them, and it broke his heart because, man, they were weary, they were tired, tired of the way they were living. And they were worn out, which is a word that means very tired, but it's also a, a word that means damaged. You know that? Like, you can have clothes that are worn out, right? Like, you can you can have jeans that, that eventually get so many holes in them. I bought these this way. But eventually get so many holes in them, you can't wear them anymore. You have, like, an old shirt that gets ripped kind of everywhere. You can't wear that anymore. It's damaged. It's worn out. I can't wear that. It's worn out. It's damaged. And I just want you to see here, I don't think Jesus is saying these people are tired. Yes, very tired. He's saying they're tired and they're damaged. He looks at the people and he sees, man, the sin is, is not just me living however I want to. I'm actually tired of living the way I want to. I'm just damaged. We look at sin, we want to judge, we want to judge, we want to judge, we want to look down on, we want to get angry over. Jesus saw that's just damage. And it's damage from one problem. We are like sheep without a shepherd. We're a flock with no leader, is what he's saying. I mean, can you imagine right now, like, if there was just a baby little lamb thing, a little bitty guy, and his mom was nowhere to be found, and he was just out in the field, or maybe on the side of the road. That's the worst thing for me when it's a dog, and I feel like it's going to get bit. Maybe it was just on the, on the side of the road, and that little lamb was just yelling out, Mom, 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 Mom. That's a sad thing to think about, right? Some of you guys would maybe pull your car over because you're compassionate people and you would try to get that little dude in the car. Maybe you take him home because you like him. Uh, some people would maybe make the little posters and stick them up around town because you'd be trying to get this guy back to his mom. And when Jesus came, he looked at all these people and our sin is actually us just crying out because we're lost. And he recognized that. Our sin, whatever that sin is, whatever that thing looks like, whatever we would look down on, it's just a symptom of being far away and separated from God. 
And Jesus looks at this, and he recognizes this. And he says, man, those people are damaged, and it breaks my heart, because they're like sheep without a shepherd, and I'm standing right here. I'm standing right here. You know, I believe God feels the same way over our city today. Amen? You don't believe that God looks at Knoxville today or Blaine today, if you're from Blaine, we're close. Knoxville or Blaine or wherever. Do you not believe that He looks at the world today and He weeps for the same reason? And we, we as a church, we look at it and sometimes we can't believe those people do that. I can't believe those people say that. I can't believe and we count people out. But God looks at those people and His heart is still the same. You know, I see it. And I hear him crying out, and I see the symptom, and it breaks my heart because I'm right here. Jesus is right here. And he's big enough to fix all that mess. He's big enough to take care of all that mess. And we would look at people and be like, man, there's no way. There's no way. And God looks at, I'll just use prostitution because it's probably already near to me. When God looks at that, we would look at that and be like, that's horrible, right? You know, God looks at that and it breaks his heart. Because his desire is that that person would come to know him. Drug dealers, drug addicts, good people that are really bad people. It's all the same. God looks at it and it breaks his heart because he knows and the cure is right here. And they just need to know. And he looks at these crowds and sees this and says he felt compassion because they were weary and tired of the way they were living and they're damaged because they're like sheep without shepherds. And I just want to ask us, when was the last time you wept over someone that didn't know Jesus? When was the last time it bothered you? There were 85% of the people in the city that don't go to church and probably don't know the Savior. When was the last time you thought about it? See, because the truth of it is, if this is how Jesus feels, and we're followers of Jesus, should we not engage in the same manner that Jesus engaged? Should we not love and care and have compassion and pity in the same manner that Jesus did? To follow is to come up behind walk in the same path. And Jesus' path was, man, I see people and they don't know me, and it breaks my heart because I've done everything imaginable so that they could know me. I came down here so they could know me. I, I lived the perfect life because there's no way they could ever do it. And then at the end of that, I took their sin and their shame and their guilt and all their mess and all their mistakes and I put it on me and I stretched out my arms and I, God, died on the cross for them. We traded places. And in that moment, I said, Father, forgive them. I didn't just put words to it, but put action to it. And I literally died because it broke my heart. But they didn't have a way back. This morning, the hard work is actually done. Jesus already made a way back, and he just invites us in for that with him. And then it says, Jesus in 37, it says, He said to the disciples, I love this, He looks at these 12 guys, um, 11 of them are real, and one of them thinks He is. Um, and He said to His disciples, The harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Words of Jesus, they're in red, Matthew was there. These are the actual words of Jesus. Eyewitness account. And He looks out at these people. And he looks back at these people that are followers of Jesus. And he says these things. He has this weird interaction. He says, man, the harvest, look at it. The harvest is beautiful. But man, there are there's so few people that want to do anything about it. Either Jesus has just jumped off the deep end here and changed subjects completely, or he's using this image so that we can see what he's saying. A harvest is an agricultural term, and what it basically means is, man, the crop is ready to be picked. It's time to do something different. We've already watered it enough, is what he's saying. 
it's already grown enough. There's already been enough sunlight. I've already tilled the ground enough. I've already made the lay enough. I've already done all the hard work, all the backbreaking work, all the all the sweat work. I've already done all that. I just need people to go out there and to grab it and to pull it off the vine. Thanks, Jesus, because that's the easy part. That's the rewarding part. The harvest is the best part. Planting the seeds is not super fun. Oh, when the ground horrible, picking <laughs> stuff is great. <laughs> And here Jesus looks at these disciples, these 12 guys that say they're following him, and he looks and he's like, man, the harvest is beautiful. Isn't it a shame nobody wants to do anything about it? And what I feel like Jesus is saying about our city today, what I feel like Jesus is saying about our community today, and maybe even some of us today, is man, the harvest is ready. We look and we think, man, all the hard work's coming. We've we got to do this, we've got to do this, we've got to do this. No, Jesus already did the hard work. He died on the cross. Everything those people need for the gospel to happen is already done. They just need to know. It is right and it is ready. And what Jesus is saying to us this morning is, man, look at all those people ready to receive Jesus. It is a shame nobody wants to do anything about it. hard. It's hard truth, right? Yeah? Because here this morning, the, the words of Jesus are still the same. Man, the harvest is ready. What, what are you whining about? What are you complaining about? What are you scared of? The harvest is ready. I already did all the stuff. Wouldn't it be great if I had some people that would take it? See, it's an amazing thing that Jesus is inviting us into this morning, isn't it? Amen. Jesus did everything. He prepared all the soil. He planted. Some people say we some plant, some water, some whatever. I don't think that's true. I think Jesus did everything. We don't plant nothing. Don't water nothing. Jesus did everything. The crop is actually ready. There just needs to be somebody that, needs, that will go into the field and to do something about it. And this morning, Jesus invites us in for that work for our city. I just want you—I just want you to think about this for a minute. At home today, maybe not your immediate home, but your family. What's that field look like? All those vines bare. Everybody already been picked off that. Uncle, mom, dad, brother, sister, cousin, aunt, third cousin down the road. All that already done, take care of. If not, does it break the heart? If not, what do you do when you engage that? If not, what do you do when to actually go into the field? Because God's prepared the way. At work, actually, some, some of us work, some of us don't, but at work, actually, what's that look like? What's that field look like? Everybody at your work knows Jesus. See, the truth is, I, I have no idea. Do you? I know some people. I don't know everybody. So what does that field look like? Odds are, it's got a lot of potential. What's, um, what's your neighborhood look like? How many of you have engaged your neighbors for the sake of the gospel? How many of you know your neighbor's names? Be next door. I mean, you guys went over there, shared Jesus, or figured out if you knew Jesus. What's that field look like? So is Jesus standing at your house today? Say, man, look at look at that field. That field is ready. Is Jesus standing in your neighborhood today, man? <laughs> Look at that field. It's so ready. Jesus standing at work today. Hey, look at that field. Look at that field, man. It's beautiful. Like, can you not see that? Like those are like the best vines ever. Can you not see that? It's ready. And I want you to hear Jesus say this to us today. Wouldn't it be great if there was somebody to do something about it? Can you imagine being one of those 12 disciples standing there? 
But Jesus, that's your job. Wouldn't that be a silly excuse? Would you just walk around everywhere preaching and healing? You're trying to get him to do something else. Maybe just invited you to do something. You've seen him do it a million times. You've read it. You've heard it. And see, the truth of it is, we can sit here and we can study this book all day long, forever. But until we, as the church, do something, until we go into the field and engage the field, we're just wasting time. I, I love you. I love this. I really, really do. But man, I don't want to get to heaven and have Jesus just roll back a little curtain and say, man, look at that field I, I put in there. Put you smack dab in the middle of the best cornfield in Tennessee and you never lifted an arm. I did all the work. I plowed all the ground. I did all I made all the way. Uh, I grew everything. You didn't have to do anything except pick it. And I was going to let you have the most amazing ministry at your house that you could ever think about. I was going to change your house for the glory of God and the gospel right there. And I just I couldn't get you to do anything. And I was going to change your work for the glory of God and the gospel. You were going to lead a revival at work. I was, that was going to be your ministry, man. I was going to let you do that. And I just couldn't get you to do anything. It was going to be, it was going to be amazing. Man, I was, gonna, I was gonna let you lead the city back to me. There's a group of people out there today. There's a community of people out there today that, that, that you can engage the gospel. I was gonna let you do that, but you wouldn't do it. Man, I won't be that guy. You won't be that guy. Is that you? Let me, let me ask you a question, church. What's one thing in common with everybody going to heaven today? They're good. You know, there's going to be good people. Good, morally righteous people. There's going to be moral people in heaven. You can't bank on their good people. Religion? For real? <laughs> hell's going to be filled. Or hell's going to be filled with religious can't bank on that go to church. Oh, I see them leave every Sunday. I don't know their name, but they get in their car and they go down the road. That's not on me. you believe hell's a real place? Do you? you want to go there? Well, if we don't engage people for the gospel, we're telling you that. That hurts. It's not it's not pepper alley this morning. I just want you to come. It hurts me too. But as the church, if we do not engage the world for the gospel, what you're saying to the world is you can go to hell. And this morning, God has invited us into something big and amazing and great. It's the gospel. It is by definition good news. And he said, hey, you're my paper people. You're my little carrier boy. I'm, I've done the good news. I've printed the good news. I've packaged the good news. I'm dropping it in your lap. And all you got to go do is go down the road flinging it on people's doorsteps because you are just going to be the carrier. It's not hard work. It's not a big deal. You're the paper boy. All you're doing is delivering the good news. It's not, hey, you're going to hell. Hey, you're a sinner. Hey, if you don't change your ways and change your life, blah, 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 blah. It's not that. It's, hey, are you okay? Are you all right? No? Well, man, I, that's, that's, I heard the problem. I, I get that. There's one solution. It's not getting a new boyfriend. It's not get a new job. It's not do a new thing. It's Jesus. You carry that all day long. This morning, see, the truth of it is, uh, he finishes us off. I close my Bible tonight and open. He finishes us off with it. So pray to the Lord of the harvest. To send folks. 
Praise God, he's in charge of the harvest. He's in charge of what gets picked and what doesn't. He's in charge of when stuff blooms and when stuff doesn't. He's in charge of what the field looks like. The field is not your responsibility. Amen? But if the corn is ready, that is not your responsibility. If they get there or they don't, that is not your responsibility because you cannot make that claim bloom. Your job is to go by and drop the gospel frequently enough that when it's ready, it'll come down off that home. And God is inviting us into that this morning. He says, pray to the Lord of the harvest, not for more lost people. There's a city full of lost people. We've got 85% of the people in our city right now that need to be engaged with us. We do not need more lost people. What we need is the church. That's why God left you here. That's why God put you here. That's why you're not in heaven right now. It's because you have a mission and a goal. It's not your pension. It's not your retirement fund. It's not your home. It's not your car. It's there are people that need Jesus and you put you here and you have a message and you're going to be here until you carry it or you refuse to one too many times in your life. This morning, God is inviting you into that. He's already come. He's already lived. He's already died. He's already made the way. He's already killed sin and death and shame and guilt. He's already done that. That's in the grave. He is risen. And He's just inviting us to tell the story. Amen? And we today can do something about it. Oh, we're not a mega church. Who cares? They amass Christians in a big old building. Whoopty. Some of them probably engage the world. Most of them probably don't. But today, God has called us in a very real way to do it. And if we refuse to do it today, I just want you to know, those people in your life that you're too scared to tell about Jesus, you're telling them to go to hell. Because I'm too scared. Oh, they might get mad. Well, that's what you're telling God invites us into an amazing thing. We get to be carriers of the good news. And it's time as the church we quit sitting around on our butts and coming and we start building. And today God is inviting us into that. So my question this morning is, does it break your heart? Because until you get compassion, you will never get the gospel people. Does it break your heart that there are people that surround you today that do not know Jesus? I want you to think right now. You can think of two or three lost people right now. Does it break your heart that that person doesn't know Jesus? And if it doesn't, then that's the starting place. You believe that hell is a real place. You believe that. Do you want to go there? Do you want other people to go there? If not, let's engage what God is saying to them in this place. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.